Speaking of uh, generosity, um, Northside, you know, I've been at Northside 23 years, and in that time, I have never failed to see Northside respond to any sort of need, whether it be an official program, ministry, mission work, service project, team camp, you name it, uh, Northside has always risen to the occasion. Even more than that are the unofficial, the private needs, the personal situations that are happening within the congregation. And Northside has always been diligent and always been faithful uh, to just to my knowledge, and I'm sure there's uh, much more that I do not know about. But the past few weeks, we've experienced that from you. And uh, words are not enough. And so I'll just say from the bottom of my heart to all of you, thank you. Uh, countless offers have been made, food has been brought, cards have been sent, Monetary gifts donated. I see a growing pile of uh, of donations in the library, and uh, that's very humbling. I'm grateful for the church. I know that it's popular to bash the church, but my whole life we have been exceptionally grateful for God's family and exceedingly grateful for the Northside family. And so, if and how you have contributed, I'm sure we'll spend the rest of our lives thinking, oh, we didn't send a thank you card to them. We didn't send a card to them. So from my heart to yours, just thank you for all of that. Um, Even more than the physical, we are... Mostly thankful for the spiritual. Um, So many have offered, what can we do? How can we help? And uh, my most common answer is just to pray. And I thank you for those, many of you, who have been praying on behalf of my wife. Uh, If you don't know, she has carcinoma of the tongue. We go to KU Med Center this week for surgery to have that cancer removed. And, uh, and the tongue will be, then be rebuilt. And it's going to be a process. We'll be up there uh, seven to ten days, they tell us. And then, and then uh, there will be a long time of recovery, six to eight weeks. Um, so we don't know all that lies ahead. We're just taking things one day at a time. I think I read that somewhere. So to those of you who have asked and offered, and thank you, we're... We just, that's all that we can say. And uh, if, I, if you ask me what else can we do, I just, just please continue to lift Christy up in your prayers. I know many of you are, and we certainly covet that this week. Uh, we're grateful for me- modern medicine, physicians and surgeons, and uh, all of the talented people who use their gifts and abilities. Even above their hands, we, we serve the great physician. And we believe in his healing power. And that's what we've been praying for. Whether he wants to do it miraculously or through other means, we're just asking for healing and for strength. And so we ask for you to join us in that prayer. Have you ever been a place that you'd rather not be?
You ever feel like you're a long way from the, from the goal? You ever wonder if perhaps God overlooked you? That God, in all of his managing of the universe, would deem you too small to worry over? If you've ever wrestled with any of those thoughts, if you've ever been in a hard spot in life and been wrestling with your faith, uh, this message will be particularly for you. I want you to listen to the words of the ancient prophet Isaiah. We're going to be in Isaiah chapter 40 this morning. Isaiah chapter 40. Verses 28 through 31 is our key text. But preceding that, the prophet introduces God's people who have been in Babylonian captivity for some time. They are in a place they'd rather not be. They are a long ways from home. They perhaps have wondered if God has forgotten. Perhaps have wondered if God has overlooked them. And Isaiah reminds them of this God. And so that's what we're going to talk about for the remainder of our time this morning. Um, Verses 28 through 31 will be our key text. But first, I want you to just back up a little bit and look at the ways in which Isaiah talks about this God like no other. Uh, Chapter uh, 40, go back to verse 10. Behold, the Lord comes with might. His arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him. His recompense before him. You have the picture of this mighty, powerful God. But then in the very next verse, he says this. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. Uh, He's mighty, but he's also tender and compassionate, caring and merciful. He says, who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand and marked off the heavens with a span and closed the dust of the earth in a measure and weighed the mountains in the scales and the hills in a balance? Who has measured the spirit of the Lord? Or what man shows him his counsel? Whom did he consult? Who made him understand? Who taught him the path of justice and taught him knowledge and showed him the way of understanding? Isaiah says, consider this God who drew, off, drew out the dimensions of the universe that we today still don't know the full dimensions of. God did that with a word. He says, Behold, the nations are like a drop from a bucket and are counted as dust on the scales. And and he goes through naming them. And he says, verse 17, All the nations are as nothing before him. They are accounted by him as less than nothing and emptiness. To whom then will you liken God? Or what likeness will you compare him? He's saying, if you, you shortchange God for an idol 
or a nation. No, he's much, much bigger than that. Do you not know, verse 21? Have you, do you not hear? Has it not been told to you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth. And its inhabitants are like grasshoppers who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them like a tent to dwell in. Understanding we're having a bit of a moth invasion. Have you struggled with the moths? Well, it's not exactly what Isaiah says here, but Israel knew something of the plague of grasshoppers. Grasshopper really is nothing by itself. But you get a couple million of them hopping around, it creates... A lot of interruption. It's pretty annoying and can get even worse. Uh, He says, the inhabitants of the earth are like grasshoppers. If you want to make a Kansas comparison, the inhabitants of the earth are kind of like these moths compared to the greatness of God. Who stretches out the heavens like a curtain, spreads them like a tent to dwell in, who brings princes to nothing and makes the rulers of the earth as emptiness. Verse 25, to whom will you compare me that I should be like him, says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes and see who created these, who brings out the host by number, calling them by name. By the greatness of his might, and because he is strong in power, not one is missing. Before he wants to tell us about God, Isaiah goes to introduce us to God. And he he starts by saying, "Who, who marked the dimensions of the known universe? Who sits enthroned above the circle of the earth? Who sees the inhabitants like tiny grasshoppers? Who is like this God? This is the God, by the way, that we are prone to forget. Uh, Sometimes in prayer, if you're a type A, you know this. You ever spent your time in prayer advising God? Giving God suggestions? And you just need to remember, Isaiah would say, you're a grasshopper. You're trying to advise the King of kings and the Lord of lords and the Holy of holies. This is the God that we've worshipped this morning. This is the God to whom we pray. This is the God to whom we sing. And then he says, our key text, have you not known? Have you not heard the Lord is the everlasting God? The creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. This is the God that Isaiah calls us to. Have you not heard? Most of the time when we... 
struggle with God or wrestle with God. It comes from an improper view of God and thinking that God is much smaller than he really is. And God calls us, Isaiah calls us back to this God. Do you not know? Have you not heard that the Lord is the everlasting God? And, and that, that, that's the first picture, the understanding that we get of the Lord is that he is everlasting. We live in a world where nothing lasts anymore. I mean, <laughs> this is a silly example, but I have a refrigerator in my garage that I won't let go of. <laughs> because it was made way back in the late 1990s. The ancient years. But that refrigerator just keeps going. And I've determined I'll hold on to it for as long as I need to, knowing that someday it'll wear out. But the refrigerators you buy these days are made to expire in five to seven years. That's a simple human illustration. But we can go to bigger ones. Nothing lasts anymore. Jobs don't last Marriages don't last. Our bodies don't last. There is nothing in the world that was made to last. And Isaiah calls us to an everlasting God. A God who is here before any of us. A God who will be here long after all of us. That's the everlasting God. And that's important to have a proper perspective of God, to understand that God is everlasting and you and I are not. You've probably heard the, the, the phrase, this too shall pass. And it's a, kind of an encouraging thing if you are in a hard spot in life, this too shall pass. It's kind of a warning if you're at a high spot in life, this too shall pass. When you have little children and you're wrestling with them and you're wondering why you came this morning, I tell you as having just graduated a son, this too shall pass. Everything about our world is passing away, except for God. For God's word, which the psalmist tells us will never pass away, and God's love. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness, we say. God is 
everlasting. He shall not pass. His word is everlasting. It shall always be. No matter how the world tries to twist it and turn it and flip it, God's word remains incorruptible. And God's love is consistent, more faithful than the sunrise, and more lasting. God is everlasting. If you're following along, go to the New Testament. We're going to be in the book of 2 Corinthians as an echo to Isaiah. Paul writes these words in verses 3 through 7 of 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort. This is page 1235 in the Pew Bible. The God of all comfort who comforts us in our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. He's the God of all comfort. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in his comfort too. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken. For we know that as you share in our sufferings, you also share in our comfort. Now, context here, always helpful. Uh, Paul, the Apostle Paul is alluding to the, the, the sufferings that he endured as an apostle, of, of which there are many. And, and he could complain about that. He could bemoan that. He could list that. I mean, you know people who, you know, when you, you say, how are you? They really tell you how they are. And they get very specific Paul doesn't do that here, though he certainly could. He says, he instead flips it, as Alex talked about this morning. He flips it and he says, well, let me tell you about the God of all comfort. Who comforts us in our sufferings so that we might comfort you. This is the God that we serve. Okay, back to Isaiah chapter 40. He says, Have you not known, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not grow faint or weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, to him who increases, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. First, God is everlasting. The second is God is inexhaustible. And... 
you and I, of course, are very exhaustible. Some of you are exhausted right now, I can tell by the position of your eyes. Some of you are exhausted in where you are in life, in the phase of life. You're exhausted in your marriage, you're exhausted in your children, you're exhausted with your job. And, and I want to encourage you, as Isaiah would, to, to lean upon an inexhaustible God. I was going through old pictures for graduation, and there was this picture of a 30-year-old Toby running alongside a four- or five-year-old Tyler. Why was I running alongside him? Well, he was learning to ride his bike. And mom had taken this picture of me running alongside my son as he learned to ride his bike. And I can remember in that moment, just as I ran alongside him, And I'm, you know, he can pedal much easier than I can ride, but he's depending on me to hold his bike upright. And I'm depending on him to, at some point, learn the laws of physics and go on his own. And I can remember thinking, son, if you don't, I hope that you learn to ride your bike because I am exhausted. I can't run with you forever. But the picture of God is very different God can, God will, run with you forever. And sometimes we think of God in a human way, and we think, God must sure get exhausted with me. No, you can't exhaust him. You can't deplete him. You can't wear him out, because he's the inexhaustible God. And so Isaiah reminds us that even though you wear out, that even youths who can stay up all hours of the night at camp, even they will grow tired sometimes. Even young men will fall and faint. But those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Mount up with wings like eagles. Run and not be weary. Walk and not faint. You see, the truth is, you and I aren't enough because we're exhaustible. We don't have enough strength. We don't have enough ability. We don't have enough knowledge. We don't have enough foresight. You don't have enough strength, be it physical or emotional. You are not enough. And that's quite okay. Because God is enough. He is more than enough. And so, if you find yourself in an exhausted state this morning, or in this phase of life, may encourage you to lean, do what Isaiah says, to wait upon the Lord, to renew your strength in Him, that you may mount up with wings like eagles, that you may run and not be weary, walk and not faint. Back to Second Corinthians. Now we are in chapter 4. We have this treasure in jars of clay, to show that the surpassing power belongs to God 
and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifest in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that in our life, the life of Jesus may be manifest in our mortal flesh. What does he conclude? So then, death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. And this is his encouragement in verse 19. I'm sorry, verse 16. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen, for the things that are seen are transient, but the unseen things are eternal. God is inexhaustible. And so when we go through times of exhaustion, we have an opportunity to wait upon Him, to lean upon Him, and to remember that no matter what comes, there's this phrase in 2 Corinthians 4, but not. And I really like that phrase. On a personal level and on a familial level, no matter where you are, but not. Paul reminds them and us that death is at work in us. We are in the land of the dying, but in Christ we are headed to the land of the living, an eternal glory that far outweighs everything else. And so God is everlasting and he is inexhaustible. To quote Jesus, I have much more to say, but you cannot bear it now. So we'll close there. I want to invite you this morning, if you are in a place of exhaustion, to put your faith and your hope and your trust in an everlasting God, in an inexhaustible God, and to lean upon Him for strength, for security, for hope, for peace that passes all understanding. You are not enough, but He is more than enough. And if you're ready to fully put faith in His Son, Jesus Christ, this morning, we'd be honored to help you do that with your confession of Him as Lord. We'll be happy to baptize you into Him for the forgiveness of your sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. This morning, if you have a need... Our shepherds can pray for you, or if you have a need of this congregation, we'll be glad to help you. We're going to sing a song, and during this next song, you can head to the back and meet with one of our shepherds at any of these four doors, and they will be happy to serve you and assist. Whatever need you might have, please head to the back as together we stand and sing.